it's just a matter of engaging in your community and finding out who there is that can kind of meet a need of yours, whether that's a product, whether that's a service. It's just, yeah, it's really supporting people in your own backyard. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Isle, the podcast where we have conversations with doers, makers and thinkers from all corners of Tasmania, talking all things slow living, ethical business, sustainability and fostering community connection. I'm your host, Daisy Baker. Our island home is full of makers producing beautiful items while striving to leave the planet a little better off. And Tasmania is well known for its clean and green status, but it can be hard to know what exactly goes on behind a brand's closed doors. With this in mind, today's guest wanted to help connect sustainability conscious makers and consumers. Kelsey Rosevear has used her background in marketing and fast fashion to create Have and Hold, which is a directory to promote quality and sustainably crafted items and clothing in Tasmania. Here's Kelsey. Welcome to the Mindful Isle, Kelsey. Thanks so much for joining me. No worries, Daisy. Thanks so much for having me. Really happy to be here. A couple of quick fire questions to start off with. How would you describe Tassie living in one sentence? I think the greatest thing about Tassie is kind of the sense of community and that everyone's really, um, really open to, yeah, helping each other out as much as they can. Absolutely. I think community's been a big theme coming out of the last sort of year or two with COVID and everything. People have got a whole new appreciation of community. Yeah, sure. definitely. That's for sure. Wanting to protect the people in their own backyard, I think. Absolutely. What's your favourite way to integrate mindfulness into your day? So this is something that I really battle with. <laughs> it definitely doesn't happen every day. Um, that's for sure I had a bit of a bad week last week for it because it was quite like I was saying to you off the mic it was a deadline week Um, but yeah I try it's a work in progress that's for sure promoting quality sustainable crafted items and clothing take us back to the beginning what led you to to start have and hold yeah, so I haven't held was essentially my lockdown project. Um, I So my background is in fast fashion and bedding retail management. So I was working um, within a department store locally. Um, and then, of course, you know, everything got shut down. So I wasn't working. Um, I kind of took those three months to just accept the, that things were slowing down and all the rest of it. But I think as I've kind of removed myself from that fast fashion fast fashion world, you get a much greater understanding of what's happening. Um, I've battled for a long time ethically with working with the brands that I was working for. Um, but I think, yeah, stepping back from it really helped me see it from another perspective. So I kind of just went along for three months and then it got to the point where I thought, well, if... I don't get my job back. What am I going to do? Um, how can I do something that will get me to where I want to be work-wise? So studying a Bachelor of Business with major in marketing. Um, really lucky to have access to that education. However, I don't feel as though the real world skills are covered um, sufficiently to be able to enter the workforce. So that's kind of where I was at. Um, also my mum is an artist 
and we I was having conversations with her and we were kind of working through a way to better market her products and we were kind of working in collaboration with that when I had this thought of well if you're struggling with marketing yourself and you don't feel she really battles with um talking yourself up and being like look at me this is what I'm doing it's really great um so there must be other people out there that are feeling the same way so I kind of did a bit of research and thought well where does this sit um at the time there was quite a few businesses popping up that were selling products so making a directory of different makers and selling each of their products um which is a really great initiative something that I kind of recognized through the experience of um seeing my mum's work is that a lot of time small makers simply can't afford those large commissions so what is a way that I can build a business that supports makers in a way that's really affordable to them so I guess that's where Heaven Hold came from that it's more of a directory than selling the products um the makers get to retain maximum profits they always know how much they're going to have to pay me it's a really reasonable amount um, they can pay it quarterly or more if they want and if they want to pay it for longer then there's a discount applied there um, and yeah so it kind of in a way it helps me to I guess use the knowledge that I learned working for those fast fashion brands and flip that and have a really good understanding of how that industry works um, and then also be able to support others in the community, which I think there was a bit of a shift in consumer mindset over COVID that we need to be supporting the people in our backyard and the nature of living on an island is, yeah, we get shut off from the rest of the world and what do you do? Like you don't have access to the things that you had access to before. So, yeah, I guess that's where it all began. Amazing. And you've had an awesome response so far. So I imagine it will only keep on growing from here. You mentioned just there, so your mum is an artist and you've mm -hmm. got this background in fast fashion. How do you think that both of those things combined has kind of informed your appreciation of, you know, the craft and the time and the love that goes into creating some of these pieces that are featured in your directory? Yeah, I definitely think it makes a huge difference. Um, I've always been a person who has found making things really interesting. I've had lots of different creative pursuits and I've always really appreciated watching, um, not necessarily just my mum, so she's a ceramicist, so that's it's quite physical. You can physically see, I guess, the evolution of that piece of clay into a, either a functional or a beautiful just decorative piece of work. Um, my dad's also a builder. Both my grandfathers were builders. So that really making something from your hands has definitely been a thread throughout my whole life. And then I guess, yeah, that then intersection with fast fashion. I love fashion. Like I just really love fashion. It's something that brings me a lot of joy. And so I guess for a long time, I dismiss the impacts that the fast fashion world has on the environment and on people themselves because of that love of fashion and wanting to keep up with those trends and all the rest of it. Um, and I guess growing up, I would, you know, in high school, I would have called my mum a hippie because of kind of environmental practices that she was going through and all the rest of it. Um, but I definitely think she, 
she you know nagged and nagged and nagged me over years to um that the contents of my wardrobe is still quite ridiculous because I haven't gotten a lot of I haven't gotten rid of stuff because I don't think that's helpful just to send things into landfill just because they're not eco um so she's nagged me for a long time to kind of consider that impact and then so yeah considering that impact taking the knowledge that I have of what actually happens kind of in the back end of those businesses and then yeah seeing her struggle well not necessarily her struggle but her um the way that she doesn't feel comfortable in I guess shouting about herself you know what she doesn't she can't find a way to do that that sounds genuine to her I guess so yeah combining all of those things really helped definitely to create this business idea and I think we've just sort of touched on it there a little bit but where does the name have and hold come from yeah, so the name Have and Hold is actually a, I stole it from uh, from myself, from me and my mum. We talked about perhaps collaborating on a range together. That's kind of where this all began was, yeah, looking at rebuilding her website and her online presence and also whether we could collaborate on a range together. Because I kind of, I have the ideas, but I am a person that battles to implement them. Um, and so I guess that's why I've gotten into marketing is because I can still be involved in that world without physically having to create anything myself. So, yeah, it really comes from that concept of there's a couple of things. There is that real taking something from the earth as in a piece of clay and molding it with your hands and having it as a product that you hold and you treasure and it's passed on through generations um, when it gets to a point where it no longer serves a use to you, it is passed on to someone else that has a use for it. It's not disposed of. So, yeah, that's the main concept. It's pretty simple, really. Um, and I guess when I started thinking about having hold as a concept, the business as a concept, and hadn't thought that I could use that same name, there's a lot of businesses that do similar things to what I do that have very similar names and you even I battle to remember which is which and I've done a heck of a lot of research into these businesses so I really wanted something that was different something that still really symbolizes what I did but didn't sound the same as everything else and something that could evolve as well it you know have and hold could be anything really at the end of the day can definitely evolve past kind of the point that it is at the moment it's a great name and I, I do really like the the story behind that tell us a bit about what being involved in the directory actually looks like how how do you help makers with their marketing yep so I guess the beginning is either I reach out to a maker or they reach out to me I kind of outline the process so essentially how it works is they pay me a subscription fee for that subscription fee there's different packages so depending on what package they're on it determines how often they are posted about on social media and um, they also get a directory profile on the have and hold website so what that includes is a basically just an intro on who they are, what they do, what they produce. And then there's also a uh, maker's process and sustainability statement. So 
something that I recognized was that there's a lot of um, a lot of similar businesses that promote Tasmanian businesses and I wholeheartedly believe that every Tasmanian business deserves our support however there is businesses who promote Tasmanian made products that simply aren't Tasmanian made um, and if they are Tasmanian made they're still made really unsustainably and unethically um, so I guess I'm taking it to that next level so everyone that I work with uh, has to meet a set of sustainability criteria. I don't expect anyone to be perfect by any means, as long as they are transparent about their processes and as long as they're always continually improving their processes to the point where they can't be improved anymore. Uh, so I write that sustainability statement for them. Um, basically, I send them a, almost it's called content snare, but it's like a Google um, form and they fill out a bunch of information and then I take that information and write the copy for the website. Um, that information is then, yeah, very clearly presented on the website so that uh, consumers can make really informed decisions about the businesses that they're supporting. So I guess they're the main things that happen in the back end. Uh, and then, it, yeah, it means that consumers can jump on and they can see a bunch of different businesses that they could potentially support and they can make that yeah, informed decision on whether that um, business aligns to their values or not. It also means that we can use the collective power of all of those brands to advertise each other's products. So I'm really a strong believer in that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Like we can promote each other's products in a way that supports each other I don't think there's any point in I guess competing in a way against each other but you know I had at one point um two clothing makers on my website like that's it's not an issue you're better off educating it's more about educating consumers on the fact that these products are out there and this is why you should be supporting these people rather than this is the business that you should you should support over another. So yeah, it's all really about that collective power, I guess. It also takes a bit of stress out of marketing. So I know I work in marketing, I work full time in this role, um, not in the role with Have and Hold, but in another role. I talk to small business owners every day. I know how overwhelming it is to keep on top of your own marketing when you're working within your business. So it's just one more thing that they don't have to worry about. You know, if they haven't posted in a couple of weeks, they know that I've posted. So they're still being kept top of mind. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the main way that it benefits them is it takes that pressure off their shoulders and it also uses that collective power of everyone else in the community. Absolutely. And having that sustainability statement, I think that's a really nice thing that, that sets you apart from other directories and I found it really interesting too like reading some of them from you know different makers I wouldn't have thought that so many makers you know were really conscious of these practices and where they're sourcing materials from and how they're producing things yeah I found that really interesting too to to learn a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes which I suppose some makers might think is not that interesting to other people and I suppose that's, mm, yeah. that's where you come in too, 
you know, saying, oh, actually people are interested. People do want to know. They do want to be making the ethical choices. Yeah, people definitely want to know. It's something that consumers are really searching for and it's really hard to find information. I know when I started considering, yeah, the impact that kind of the fast fashion world has and going, well, like where do I actually find that information? Because there's so much greenwashing and there's so much misinformation around. You try and find information about where a product's made or um, who makes it, whether, you know, they use child labour or all the rest of it, um, where the cotton's grown and things like that and you just end up in this vortex of links that don't lead you anywhere like you never actually find the information that you're looking for so I guess it is having hold it's right there in your face like there's no missing it and it's really disappointing when you buy from an eco brand and it turns up wrapped in bubble wrap or I um, bought a pair of jeans from Nobody Denim which are a you know Australian made company and their response was actually amazing. And I should acknowledge that their social media manager is a friend of mine. Um, and so I kind of jumped on and said that I bought these jeans and that they were really good. Um, but hey, nobody, why are these coming in a poly bag? And yeah, my friend who, you know, I know it's my friend, so I know I'm going to get a good answer out of her. But I think I believe that they would give the same answer to anyone else. She jumped on DMs and said, yep, we acknowledge that it's an issue. We're working on it. Like it's just one of those things as long as brands are working towards more sustainable practices, then yeah, I think that's the most important thing and that you can find that information. Mm, Absolutely. How essential do you think this relationship between sustainability and eco-consciousness is when we're thinking about Tasmanian businesses and their branding? Yeah, I think it's everything. Like if you look at the work that Brand Tasmania do, they do a really good job of, I guess, the storytelling side of things. But I think Tassie has long been marketed as this, you know, clean, green, eco place. And so it's really disheartening sometimes to see the kinds of products that are being brought out from Tassie. They're definitely in the minority. Majority of businesses in Tassie are absolutely working their hardest to do the right thing. But, yeah, it just from a I guess a marketing point of view if you put aside the sustainability side of things as far as the actual impact that that has on the world it's good marketing like it really is good marketing and that's why we have so many issues with greenwashing is because brands go well I know it's good marketing so I'm gonna you know say that we have a circular system which doesn't exist However, the beauty of working with the people that I work with and what I believe the majority of Tasmanian businesses are working towards is that sustainability first, marketing second. Yeah, it's really good marketing, but that's not where it's coming from. It's genuinely coming from wanting to make an impact. And I think we really recognise how lucky we are here that as far as our climate goes and the environment that we do live in, we are quite protected. We've seen how protected we are with COVID. I think that's been a really um, strong example of how lucky we are to be here. Um, But, yeah, I do think it's a really important part of that brand Taz story is to be emphasising and being the market leaders in sustainable production practices. We have an opportunity to have that name, and I think we do to a point but it can definitely be improved even further. What are the best ways that we as consumers can support local makers? 
Um, if you can't physically afford to be buying something off them, simply like as marketing managers, as social media managers, we talk about it quite often, just engaging with people's content. The more you can engage with people's content on social media, the more people will see it. So that's really important. Um, obviously, buying from local makers wherever possible is the best and most impactful thing that you can do. It's slowing down that purchase decision. So instead of going, oh, I need a new top, I'm going to go to Maya on the weekend and I'm going to buy a new top, it's thinking ahead and going, okay, if I'm going to buy a new top, what's the best option? Where can I buy from? Who can I find locally that can make that top for me? So whether it's a particular, whether it's a friend of yours or whether it's a complete stranger, yeah, it's really important to be doing that, making that purchase decision. And I acknowledge that in our kind of fast-paced society, that's quite difficult is to do that forward thinking. But I think that's the most that's the easiest way to kind of shift your mindset into supporting local makers is to do that forward thinking and also considering do I really need to buy this product or is that something that I can go without for a while? Um, I think also it's just a matter of engaging in your community and finding out who there is that can kind of meet a need of yours, whether that's a product, whether that's a service. It's just, yeah, it's really supporting people in your own backyard and doing research, not just finding the first thing that you see, the first brand that you think is ethical. Taking it, So I guess it's taking that one step further. It's not just looking for an ethical product. It's looking for a product that's in your backyard. And we have social media, like the power of social media is just incredible. Now you can reach out to um, pages like mine, pages like By Tasmanian, um, there's all sorts of different pages that you can reach out to and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Where can I find it? Or simply just posting on, you know, chuck a question box up on your own stories and saying, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Do you know of anyone that produces this product locally? So, yeah, there's lots of different ways that you can, I guess, find those people to support. We're so lucky here in Tassie. Like, we've got an amazing array of makers who make all sorts of different you know whether it's bags knives clothing ceramics like there are so many amazing things of such good quality as well and I think yeah it is just about researching and looking around being a bit more conscious with the way that we're consuming we can kind of help out the environment in one one sense and then also be helping out our local makers so it's a win-win really yeah, definitely. And I've noticed massively the difference in, I guess, the um, interactions that I have with people in my life where, you know, I wear a top like the one I'm wearing today and people go, that's amazing. Where did you get that from? And then I get to have a conversation and be like, oh, actually, it's a girl named Grace. She lives in Hobart. She um, uses mainly reclaimed textiles. Like it's a really cool story I find the best thing that with the kind of life stage that I'm in at the moment is baby shower presents people just get so much stuff at baby showers and a lot of it is not thought about it's just oh my friend's having a baby shower okay let's go buy some towels let's go buy a cute little stuffed toy 
but having a consideration for the last baby shower that I went to, I reached out to a friend who actually isn't actively making at the moment, um, but she makes a bunch of swaddles and things like that. And I just reached out to her and said, hey, I know you're actually not making, but I've got a baby shower coming up. I know that she wants some really nice stretchy jersey swaddles. Um, I acknowledge that that's not the most sustainable fabric ever. So are you able to make me something? So then at least I know that it's been made locally. The person who um, makes it has controlled their waste in a way and I can, you know, pick the fabrics and make something that I know is going to fit perfectly in, you know, the visual side of things in this nursery and it fits that function of having that stretchy fabric and people appreciate it so much like you get so much better interactions with people when you gift give that way than if you went down to Kmart and grabbed a cute little onesie with a duck on it but yeah it makes a big difference it all comes back to the the storytelling side of things doesn't it people love to have a story absolutely what does the future hold for have and hold yeah, so at the moment, things are ticking along. Like I said, I'm quite a busy person, um, but I'm really hoping to ramp things up next year and, yeah, just create this to be this big um, directory of all sorts of different businesses. At the moment, I'm really niching it down to physical products, so objects, clothing and accessories, um, but that can be anything in that realm. I'm not necessarily... Um, doing anything to do with consumables at the moment but that's not to say that that's not in the future uh long term I would love have and hold to kind of be the face of the business and um also have an art like a marketing agency arm so working with the same businesses that I work with currently but helping them through building their websites and running not necessarily running their social media but knowing how to plan their social media and how to utilize that and just educating people on how to keep up because digital marketing just moves so stupidly quick. It's really hard to keep up with. Even as a marketer, you know, myself and the team that I work with a couple of weeks ago, we logged into Facebook Business Suite and it looked completely different on the Monday morning to what it did on the Friday afternoon when it knocked off, when we knocked off. It's really difficult. We acknowledge that. So, yeah, just helping businesses through that and continuing to, I guess, take that weight off their shoulders so that they can focus on doing what they love to do. You know, majority of them didn't start making to be marketers. They started making because they love making and that's what they want to do. So if I can, I guess, assist them with that marketing side of things, then that's the ultimate goal. And doing whatever I can in order to shift consumers' mindset even more, which I think is happening throughout the world. And we desperately need like it's really urgent that we do shift that mindset um but yeah just helping as many small businesses in Tassie and potentially beyond that if it gets to that point um yeah helping as many businesses as I can to get out to as many consumers as I possibly can amazing what a great vision you have for the future of your business that's awesome what's your number one tip this might be a bit tricky your number one (laughs) tip for small businesses marketing wise number one tip for small businesses um I think it is I guess it's can I give two go for it (laughs) twofold um 
interact with people in your industry. Really get to know the other people in your industry. Yes, it's really important to um, consider them as competitors and consider what your unique selling point is against your competitors, but work with them really closely. It will benefit both of you if you are encouraging people to buy from similar types of businesses as yours. Um, and then I guess the second more technical side of things is utilise free resources. So Google and Facebook both put out um, really good training. It's a little bit outdated at the moment just because things do move so quickly, but the I guess the concept still stands. So you've got the Google Digital Garage and the Facebook Blueprint, really important to take, um, take advantage of. And also within Tasmania, we have a incredible program called Digital Ready. It's funded by the Department of State Growth. Every small business in Tasmania gets access to four hours of free marketing coaching. I am one of the coaches that you can access. Um, we have a fantastic team of people both in the north and the south. No matter where you're located, we can have a Zoom call with you. Uh, and there is also a heap of online resources as far as blog posts and videos and all the rest of that throughout the digital ready program so yeah really take advantage of as much free resources as you can reach out to people if you're not sure how to access those programs because there is a lot of support available it can sometimes just be a little bit difficult to find what good tips there um hopefully we all go and make the most of all the great resources and knowledge that's out there a final question to wrap us up today kelsey where would you like to see tasmania in five years time I guess, like I mentioned before, I'd really like to see Tassie as being pioneers of sustainable production and sustainable design. I really think we have a strong opportunity to do that uh, and we can really educate the rest of the world on how things can be done really ethically and really sustainably and also how we can market products in an ethical and sustainable way, switching from the traditional marketing point of view of creating a problem that a consumer doesn't already realise they have versus taking the problems that consumers do have and developing a ethical, sustainable solution to that problem. So, yeah, I really think Tasmania has an opportunity to be the market leader in that space. Thank you so much for listening into this episode of The Mindful Isle. Kelsey shared some wonderful tips there for small business owners to integrate into their marketing and also if you're a consumer I hope you've taken some things away as well to keep in mind next time you're going to make a purchase and yeah just know how you can best support our local makers if you've enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend and if you're feeling really keen it would mean so much if you could leave a review of the mindful aisle on apple Podcasts. that helps us to reach more listeners and i'll be back in your ears next wednesday with another episode about conscious living in tasmania